All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic. So excited to be with you. Jay, how are we doing? Doing great, Paul. How are you? You know, I don't know. <laughs> that was a <laughs> long anymore, pause. Jay. I know. It's like, it's, how honest are we going to be? Like Nobody's doing great. You know, no one's... No one's doing great. Everyone's just scuffling. Everyone's just trying to get by. But no one wants to hear my problems. Everyone has their own problems. I'm actually doing We're pretty good. Just... I don't mind this that much. I don't. I, I do kind of miss going to bars, but um, yeah, it's it hasn't it hasn't affected me as much. Now I, I commiserate with you the fact that having two little ones at home, I can't imagine how difficult that is. I'm lucky, and, and my kids are grown, and they they do their own thing, even though it's here in the house, but. Yeah, for all you people out there that have little ones at home, I I do feel for you because that's got to be really difficult. I'm just a little tired. That's okay though. <laughs> I, I, every everybody's everybody is healthy and uh and staying at home and we're trying to make the best of it. But no one wants to hear about that. We're here for your release. We are here to help you get away. We're here to help you forget about that. And what else can help you forget about that other than the fact that we are a mere days Barely a more than a week away, finally, from hearing from Roger Goodell's basement, <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. You know, maybe people will finally then believe us that it's actually going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. There'll maybe still be people maybe... expecting him to pull an Eli and that something's going to happen. That Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Even though uh, that's not been said or the case at all, so we got we'll, we'll kind of dive into that. The rec- I guess there's I guess whatever the the recently fabricated new developments uh, of that whole situation. Do want to talk about Andy Dalton as we kind of try to shine more light on what exactly that's going to look like and lots of speculation and people talking about oh could they hold on to him i think there's some stuff that people are forgetting which has been in our draft strategy series which if you have not seen it, i highly recommend going through we're, we're trying to dive a little bit more into some of this stuff for you but it's all laid out there in a lot of detail into how they're looking at every single position we're almost all the way through we're getting there we've only got a few more left um but quarterback and linebacker were up this week. Uh, obviously, a, a lot to talk about. We're going to get into both of those. Also, running back and cornerback up this week. There is a development there, and that is the very expensive, now highest paid running back ever. Uh, the contract for Christian McCaffrey came off the board uh, this week, and that has definite uh, implications on what happens and the, what the future of Joe Mixon looks like. We're going to get into that. Uh, very much anticipated for a long time. Uh, the Athletics... Draft guru, beast who writes the beast, uh, Dane Brugler. If you don't know who he is, you are missing out. Uh, he's incredible. His, his, um, his draft guide is, is live on the site. Now you get it free with a subscription to the athletic. It is the most in-depth thing you will find on the draft. It's incredible. Um, uh, but talk to him, uh, about 15 minutes with Dane talking about Bengals needs, Bengals fits. Some of the, uh, you know, the, the universe of players in their early round selections and why he picked them for his latest mock draft, which is also up on the site. Uh, Jay and I are going to do a tandem mock draft. Jay wears his mullet, but he, but he plays it straight. And I'm bald, but I'm getting nuts. That's going to be, that's it. We're going to, it's going to be choose your own adventure mock. 
What what has a bigger chance of disaster? Our mock here doing this remotely, a tandem mock remotely, or the NFL draft? Uh, a glitch going wrong there when it's live next week. You know what? They have enough very expensive technological backups in place. We're pretty much relying on our mics that we've got here in our own home internet connection. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna say we have a, a better chance of screwing it up, but I think we can do it. We'll, we'll, um, we'll, sw- we'll basically do choose your own adventure, see who can come up with the better draft where one is just Jay just taking his picks as they come and me trying to get Wooly and Wild, although I'm not trading number one. Neither of us will do that because that's insane. Um, then I did have a story last, uh, last week inside how the Bengals are scouting and getting to know these players in an off season like we've never seen before. Uh, I had a, one of the coaches I talked to was safeties coach, secondary coach Robert Livingston. And I clipped off about a five minute portion of that interview uh, for you to hear. It's really interesting stuff. If you really want to know about him, his warring with the birds in his garage <laughs> slash office. And the, I mean, uh, and the, the, Basically how he goes about it and, and how they've found ways to make connections and how it's been different and how it's maybe been beneficial and what they have missed most um, in this process. Really interesting stuff. I really enjoyed telling the story, talking to those guys, but a little piece of that interview coming up. Run past her boot. Uh, and, you know, who knows what else? So I don't know if you can tell, but as we get closer to the draft, these things get a lot beefier. I, the intro is taking up too much time because we have too much stuff to get to. <laughs> That is true, and my I, I've already got problems with this mock draft. We haven't even started it. Go ahead, I'll get <laughs> you're it. Already, you're already <laughs> you already have consternation over over your play it straight mock draft. All right, we'll get to that. Plenty of time. Let's talk a little bit about the quarterback position, shall we? Yeah, a lot there. A lot there. Let's you know a lot was made, I guess, of. Um, Zach Taylor, kind of fittingly going on Dan Patrick and putting an end <laughs> to, to, uh, all rumors of the offseason, considering that's kind of where this all started. Um, essentially saying what we, actually what was in my story, um, that came out that, that morning, which was, they're not trading. They don't want to trade. It's always been Joe Burrow. He's the guy that can change the franchise. The quarterback is what changes everything, and they recognize that, and there's just no haul that would make it worth it. And in fact, when you really think about it, a team willing to give up a haul that would be worth it to the Bengals is only proving their evaluation correct of Joe Burrow that he is really that guy and the guy that they should be going for. That's that's all, you know, and that's how they view it. And I, and I would say that's the way that any franchise should view it. It's the true game changer. If it can be right, you've got to take your swing when you've got your chance. He put an end to all, all of that. And I just, you know, I, it needs to be said, needs to be put out there because a lot of people are, are always wanting to know, what are they going to trade? What, what's going on there? No, it's not a thing that's happening. And what drives me crazy is every, uh, you hear, there's the guy out there that always says you need more than a quarterback. You you need to trade that and get more picks. I mean, every team ever that has had the number one overall pick has needed more than the quarterback or the edge rusher or whatever it is they're taking. 
it's not a matter of volume. It's when you've got a chance to get a really good quarterback, and by all estimations, Joe Burrow's going to be a good pro quarterback. When you get a guy like that on a rookie deal, that in itself allows you to build all the other pieces around it, and it's just you don't pass on it. You don't pass on the number one overall pick. It's it's a painful it's process. Now. Right. It's a yeah. it's it's hard to get there, and when you get there, you you don't blow up everything that – I don't want to say you worked hard for because that's not what happened, but all the pain and suffering you went through to get to number one, you, that's a hell of a reward, and you don't just give it away for a, a few picks lower in the draft. You, you stay at number one, and you take the best guy available. If not now, then when? Right. At some point, you need a quarterback, Okay. The idea that you're going to be picking number one overall next year or have the assets to acquire it, like anybody will be giving it giving it up next year for Trevor Lawrence. Ask the Dolphins how that goes. When you're at one and there's a real guy, some people say maybe the best since Andrew Luck, depending on who you talk to, Cam Newton, whatever, a real guy, a guy that teams like the Dolphins would be willing to give up a lot of picks for. You just do it. And you move on. It is a no-brainer. It has been a no-brainer. The Bengals have viewed it as a no-brainer since the beginning. It's been everybody on the outside. It's been all the people, as, as it was put to me by somebody close to the organization, there's a lot of people out there working for the Dolphins these days. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what their, I don't know what their payroll looks like, but, um, there's a lot of people out there trying to make that happen for Miami, and the Bengals were just have just not been interested in that. The Bengals have been interested in taking Joe Burrow and then starting their thing. That's what it's always been about since day one, and I think that's where it's going to land. And we and here we go. The, the other the quest the other side of the quarterback conversation right now is obviously. Andy Dalton and what I was writing in the draft strategy piece about that was there's to me when I hear a lot of people talk about what happens with Andy Dalton there's something that is missing always from the conversation and that is like they can't pay their draft picks with him on the roster okay um and if you try if you if you draft slot your draft picks and any one of those contracts puts you over the salary cap at any point. That is disallowed by the NFL. You cannot sign that contract. We also know the Bengals leave all kinds of space on their balance sheet for things that happen during the season, replacing players, practice squad guys. Thus, They are so up against it. The Dalton move really i mean they could they could find a way to sneak in just under maybe for camp and preseason as we listen to the sounds of hamilton in the background <laughs> nothing like a truck or a motorcycle firing up to make you remember that jay is hamilton's finest uh <laughs> i'm honestly surprised we don't hear more of that yeah <laughs> Uh, well, it's only because there's just fewer people on the roads right now. That is true. Uh, but no, I, you know, there, I just, you, you get into this spot where, you know, you, you could maybe sneak in and camp for preseason, but once you got to that 55 man roster and all the other stuff associated, like they, they, 
it doesn't work for them financially. They'd have to do some other salary cap gymnastics, make some other moves to come up with in, in order to actually keep Andy Dalton on the roster at $17.7 million. So to, so that's why I've always said the draft seems like probably the last point where they can actually hold on to him. And then once they have to start signing those picks, which that can come whenever they could buy you a lot more time. Um, it feels like that's, it's all signs point to that's when they would have to make the move to just let him go. If nobody gives him, gives them anything. And the draft's really the last chance to see if anybody's willing to do that. And if they are, I, you can't imagine they're going to take on the whole 17.7 million. So then it comes down to how much of that would the Bengals be willing to, to eat to get a deal done. I mean, is it, is it half? Do they split it in half? Um, who, I mean, how much is a, how much is a fifth round pick worth? Right? How much is a fourth round pick where you, you basically get into buying a pick if you're trying to trade is, is yeah. what it turns into. And I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I just, it's, a, I think it's important to talk about where, where that's at. Um, the other, so obviously the other pitch we need to dive into is linebacker. Know, is there anything else we need to cover on quarterback? I feel like I, I don't know that I can talk about Joe Burrow anymore. <laughs> like how we, much do we need to do this? Was three games enough to really assess Ryan Finley? Should we go there? Oh, God. <laughs> Come on. It's a global pandemic going on, Jay. Don't do this to people. <laughs> Can't be trying to make people talk about the Ryan Finley stint right now when they're worried about their lives. Ryan uh, Finley is the reason Joe Burrow is in play. That's correct. Ryan Finley is the under-the-radar hero of the 2019 season and of the Bengals franchise. Um, let's talk about linebacker and uh, what you wrote. Um, you, first of all, when you when you really start playing it out and going through these prospects, what – what struck out to you, Jay, when you were going through all that of the most interesting decision that's out there and maybe the drop-offs that you see and, and that you think the team sees? Yeah, the, the, the decision is, is what do you want a guy that can run and cover? Do you want a guy that is great against the run? I mean, that has been their Achilles heel for the last three years. Um, they think they've improved it with – the addition of reader and then some better tackling corners, but you still need linebackers there. Um, it, it was interesting that one of the, the stats I pulled out, I, I ranked all of PFFs, their, their top linebackers, um, in terms of run grade and none of those. Well, Isaiah Simmons, one, two, three, he was seventh on that list. All those other guys that are the really good run stoppers are Guys that are probably going to be maybe third, but more likely fourth, fifth round picks. So do they, do they get the best linebacker they can get early at, at pick 33 and then double up and get one of those really solid run stoppers too in the fourth or fifth round? Um, do, do they fall back on their old pattern and, and, and go for a third round linebacker yet again? I mean, there's a really good chance that any linebacker they would take at 33 would be a reach. If these guys 
No, other than Simmons, nobody's really projected to come off high. But you've got well, Murray, Murray and Queen, but not high, not like top ten. Those Murray and Queen are no, those guys no, are going to no, be in no, that yeah. in that twenty range where maybe they fall, maybe they don't. They probably don't. So if those guys are off the board, then you know, do you reach it at thirty three for a linebacker, or do you go ahead and, and go with what we've talked about with? Would just go offense, 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 attack that side of the ball, and, and then try to try to maybe double up, get some extra picks with some trades, and, uh, and double up in, in the mid rounds, fourth, fifth rounds, and get some get some solid linebackers. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of it's a mixed bag. Um, the, all the, the the guys, those guys that you talked about, Queen and Murray, they're way down the list on on run stopping grades, but. Overall assessment, there seem to be the, the best ones available. So a lot of it, I think, is going to be determined by the other teams. Who's still yeah. sitting there at 33 when the Bengals go on the clock? Yeah, I, to me, I mean, it, I don't think run stop. This team needs a three-down linebacker of, of the new school look. Like, that is what they have missed Last year, the year before that, forever. Yeah. Name me the last what Tez? Like, what, what are we talking about? They they have not had anybody who can do this. It seems like, and they maybe they think they might have something in Jermaine Pratt, but you you know Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray step in here, and they're probably they're starting week one as a, all three downs, mm-hmm. right? Or you know, or at least you know may, it. Whatever it looks like with binds in there in a base, I don't know. But for the most part, they're playing majority of the snaps. After that, I don't know that it says. I would say I don't know if that's going to be the case with some of the other guys. But then who? <laughs> because right. there, I mean, when when you look at the who's on the roster, I mean, Brady Sheldon is in there right now in the mix. And there's only four. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I barely know who he is either, and I talked to him last year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- that's just it. I mean, who they have to – they have pigeonholed themselves. They may tell you they haven't. You may hear, oh, no, best player available. No, they are pigeonholed. 33 or 65 needs to be a linebacker because they don't have anybody to play the position. And there will be guys there. To, to me, it, it, it's Queen – Murray are there at 33. They're the pick. Right. Either of those guys make it there. They are the pick. Then it gets dicey. If they're not, if they're gone, which most to many mocks would say that they'll be gone. But you know that we see guys, especially at positions that aren't valued as highly. I mean, flawed, not perfect players, flawed players still. You know, Queen, small sample size. Murray, there's some inconsistencies in his game. Um, so perhaps you see those guys fall down boards a little bit and they are there, but a lot of people say they won't, if they're not, I think you're really a candidate to trade back because you know, what you're probably going to be doing is trading back and taking multiple swings at the linebacker position further back and hoping to hit you get into the land of Zach Bond, Akeem Davis, Gaither, Willie Gay Jr. Who was suspended for eight games and punches quarterback. At Mississippi State, oh, he's hella talented. I, I don't see them bringing somebody like that in there despite his talent as much as they care about character and locker room. 
you get into the Jordan Brookses, the Malik Harrisons, the Logan Wilsons, you start getting down into that third round area, Troy Dye, who you have. Mm-hmm. Is that guy, are those guys coming in and starting week one? Are you comfortable with that? I mean, that's what they got to assess at this point. Yeah. And, and do they need to? I mean, yeah, they want them to, but can you, can you ride with Josh Bynes for a few weeks until those guys find their foot? Cause you really don't need three. You're, you're going to be in nickel. Yeah, but you don't want Josh. I mean, you don't want Josh Bynes out there on third down. Maybe third a down, little, no. if you, maybe in a, in a pinch, but I mean, you, you need somebody else. And maybe that's where Sean Williams comes in, who you mentioned. And we've talked a lot about him in recent weeks. And maybe that's just where you just suck it up. And on those third down nickels, you're rolling with Sean Williams next to Jermaine Pratt. And perhaps that's the case. I don't know that they have another option depending on what happens, um, with these linebackers. Yeah. The real wild card in this, which I, I failed to miss it, mention in my piece. And I, I just thinking about that, I should have, but a new linebacker coach in Al Golden and, and he's, he's coached a lot of different positions in the league and, and it's, it's, Kind of a wild card there. Um, you don't know what you have in him, but by all regards, he is, he is a good coach. He's been a head coach, um, at the college level, you know, is, is how much can that help? Um, you know, not to disparage Tam Lukabu, who was the, the coach the last couple of years, but you get a, a new guy in there with, with this kind of experience. Can he get a young guy, a third rounder? type guy up to speed fast enough to, to be a starter and do it in this weird situation we're in now with no ETA OTAs. I mean, that, that seems like it's asking a lot, but that is another wild card in the mix. Just how, how he's, how Al's going to mesh. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a collection of guys there that it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I just think you're basically watching Queen and Murray on the end of day one, and you're just hoping that one of those guys falls. If you are, if you are of the, you know what, they just eventually have to spend an asset on linebacker if they ever want to fix it. And see, the time seems to be now when you look at the rest of the defense, the the additions that they've made, how they flipped it all over, it's it's the last really outstanding piece out there. The what one do you think, that they didn't address in free agency. What do you think of Zach Bound? I know that he's he, he's probably not a a lock for them to take if he's there at thirty three, but he's a guy that that could be a third down guy. You know, maybe binds on first and second down and and. And, and bound on third. I don't know. He's more of an edge rusher than a drop guy. Um, would you be in favor of grabbing him if he's there at 33? He's an, he's an interesting case. And, you know, I think that you're, you know, he does, a, he did a lot of things. That, I mean, he's a hell of a playmaker, but really did a ton of pass rushing. You know, he projects mm-hmm. to being able to do all three, um, at this level, you think. Um, but, you know, I just think – I'm not saying that Bond isn't a guy that they could use. I'm not saying that um, he wouldn't come there and play immediately. I don't know that he's the perfect fit. I, I don't think he's a fit at 33. Absolutely mm-hmm. if he's there at 65 or if they fall back to the middle of the second round, I could see them going after him 
and taking him there and where they added some picks or whatever that looks like. Um, but I don't see them taking a pull at 33 because there's still some projection to him as a three down linebacker. You love him in his, what he can do as a, as an attacking backer off the edge and things like that. But I don't know if he's the fit for exactly what, what they're looking for, which maybe they would more have in the Murray or the Queen. I think, I think there is a drop off in their eyes, um, from those two to, to Zach Bond from Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any way that that Queen and Murray are there. I shouldn't say any way, but I, I the chances are very remote that those guys are going to be there. So that, and we can get this into this in our when we get to our mock. But that probably would be the move at 33 to to trade back and and grab another. I don't know if they would trade to the middle of the round. Maybe maybe a single digit drop and then yeah. Get I mean, a I don't think I don't pick. think they'd be. Yeah, I think the comfort level would be you moving back five to ten spots at most to add a third yeah. or a four, just because you, you also want to know what universe you're going to be in and make sure you're still getting a guy that you really want. Um, it, dep- it depends on who wants to come up, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you're also sort of at the mercy of that. Sometimes you have to sit and take a pick because no one wants to come up. Um, but yeah, you're right. We'll get into that um, when we do our tandem mocks too. So that, that's kind of a brief overview of the linebacker position. You had die. What what was your uh, you know I I had I think my last mock I had Marcus Bailey from Purdue, a guy who played a lot, um, was productive, but you know he had some injury stuff. So you're overcoming that. Um, it could be like a fourth round. I still think they take a second swipe at the position. I think it looks like last year. Yes, I do too. The yeah. early swipe and the late swipe again to try to, cause one, they need depth and two, they want to take another shot at it and see if they can get one of the two to work out. And that, even if they, even if they somehow don't add extra picks, if they stay at seven, I still think they grab two linebackers. Um, I, I had Marcus Bailey as one of my sleepers. I, I when, when you you took him in your mock, what round was that? I believe that it was the fifth, fourth or fifth. Yeah, that's where yeah. I, I think he fits in. In that, I think fifth it was the round. fifth. But I, I do. I think makes Dye sense. is yeah. I mean, Die seems like a, a guy that that would fit. He, he's he's got the speed. He can run sideline to sideline. He can be a three down guy. He's a little small. But, and the other knock on him is his instincts, but when you come into the league, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to get a pro, a pro strength staff that's going to bulk you up and, and you're going to get pro coaching and, and mate, I don't know if instincts are completely innate. Maybe, maybe coaching can help with that at too, reading and offenses and trends and that kind of thing. So I just I think he would be a good fit if they wait till the third round and maybe not even at 65. It might be more of a, you know, a, a, if they end up getting an extra third round pick or if they trade back in the third round um, and, and drop down to 75, 80, somewhere in that range is where I, I could see him fitting. Um, I, I, that was my prediction for on the, the draft piece. Um, I, I don't know if he can afford to wait that long till the third round, but but we shall see. Let's um let's talk a little bit about running back, but let's let's just kind of cut out all the bull. I don't think they're going to take yeah. a running back in this draft at all. Um, and I you know this is about really the story to come out this week is is Christian McCaffrey getting paid. You know we we have been pinpointing toward 
you know, what's expected. I, I don't want to call it a hostile negotiation, but if you end up in a holdout, I guess it is. What's expected to be a hostile negotiation between the Bengals and, and Joe Mixon as he has his one point in time where he's extension eligible. He is amongst a huge group of extension eligible running backs. I mean, loaded. That 2017 running back draft class is loaded. They're all extension eligible. And we're seeing the first domino to come was McCaffrey. We knew he would be, but for him, you know, there was a thought that teams are just not going to pay that position anymore. You look what obviously what happened with Todd Gurley, what happened with David Johnson, what has happened with pretty much everybody that gets these contracts um, is problems. So for the Panthers to come out and drop sixteen million per for four years, and you know the guarantees aren't out. I haven't seen the guarantees yet, but they're supposedly decent to make him the highest paid running back ever. I mean. That is significant. I think it changes, I think it changes the ideas out there in the heads of these agents who thought they were making and maybe would be taking a bath on some of these because of what happened with these injuries with Melvin Gordon having to settle after his holdout went bust. But then you're out there seeing the other side. So where does Joe Mixon fall on the timeline between Christian McCaffrey and Melvin Gordon, right? I would say somewhere in the middle. But I'm betting you Joe ain't saying that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you what the Bengals aren't saying. They are not going anywhere in that area. They are not. The Bengals are not going to touch the Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey area for Joe Mixon. They're just not going to do it. It doesn't make sense for them. They just spent all this money in free agency. They want to pay Joe, but, you, you know, they're not going to pay the running back position out the wazoo and cost themselves for it. Um, that's the important thing to know that, but it's who's going to dig their heels in more And this McCaffrey thing. I think that's going to, that, that's the type of thing that gets in Joe Mixon's head. What interests me is who you mentioned, all the guys that are going to be up for extensions at, at the running back position, who, who's going to be the guy that, that waits it out. You know, you, you see this all the time. It's the, the contracts as time goes on, the contracts only get bigger. They keep topping each other. So if, if you want to be the, the last one and, and, you know, no, I don't, no one's going to go over McCaffrey because he's not a true running back. He's got, he's got the, he's almost like he is a hybrid. He's, he was an all pro wide receiver and all pro or slot receiver and an all pro running back. Not, that's not Joe Mixon. But if you, if you want to bet on yourself and, and say, I'll let these other guys sign first and then go out and have a huge year and then maybe, top what all those guys got I don't know that he's going to do that but I somebody's going to do that somebody's going to want to go last and, and essentially bet on themselves and it could go one of two ways you could have a great year and it pays off or you could get hurt and you may never see that huge payday yeah that's just it if I am a running back and I have the ability to sign and I am not haggling over a little bit of money here and there that's just to me, whatever I can get in guarantees, if if I'm Joe Mixon, whatever the Bengals, wherever they're willing to go with me in guaranteed money before I play this year and potentially have an injury and my value goes down, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it because you you you, you trying to take your chances at that position and going through another year of wear and tear. 
the 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 cons so far outweigh the pros you know of it actually working out just take what the, you can get and go for it uh, and now that you know it's not my money it's not my career mm-hmm. these guys can do whatever they want to do um and i get it you, you know you you ha- you never have any kind of leverage to so use it when you can uh but for 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 my money i'm all about the security in a position that has none of it if someone is actually willing to pay you, then I'm, you know, I'm saying yes. Uh, and I, you know, I think the Bengals want to. They have plans. They've tried to leave some money behind for that. Now, what that looks like in the long run, I mean, it depends on a lot of things, namely Andy Dalton uh, getting off the books and all that other stuff. But um, you know, there's there's a lot of contingencies there. But we got a lot of time to get into that, so we'll focus on draft stuff, which means. Talking to Dane Brugler. Uh, so I'm going to bring an interview with Dane, of course, our star uh, draft analyst from The Athletic. I hope you have read everything he's been doing because it's incredible. It's so in-depth. Uh, here's my conversation with Dane Brugler. All right, now is that time that mi- many of you have been eagerly awaiting, and that is when on Hear That Podcast Ground we bring in our draft guru from The Athletic, Dane Brugler. You've been reading uh, his thoughts as part of our draft strategy series, and I hope at this point you have unleashed the beast uh, yourself and uh, jumped into his insanely in-depth uh, draft guide, which is an absolute must-have uh, for uh, for anybody that is an NFL, college, or draft fan at all. So, uh, Dane, thanks for joining, man. No, of course, Paul. It's, uh, I always enjoy it. It's uh, hard to believe we're, gosh, less than two weeks now before, the, before uh, draft night's here. So it's going to be a little different this year, but uh, still exciting nonetheless. Yeah, and it's all we got, Dane. Right. <laughs> it's all, yeah, it's all, all eyes on you, okay? Because uh, this is, uh, you know, this is really all we've got right now. And that, and really for the for the Bengals, um, from a perspective of where they're at, I'll, I've kind of been doing this with people I talk to because no one needs to be convinced anymore that Joe Burrow is good or that he'll be the top pick or any of that stuff. What was your what was your favorite thing about Joe Burrow in the evaluation that you liked most about him? I think just the appreciation of what we were watching. I mean, it started, for me, it started that Texas game in September where, and I wrote about this on The Athletic the Monday after, like, okay, we just saw a quarterback turn the turn the corner a little bit with his development. It uh, looks like a much different player than what we saw last year. And then as the season went on, you just, you start to run out of excuses. You know, it's like, well, he, he hadn't faced uh, an SEC team yet. Oh, he hadn't faced uh, Alabama yet. Uh, you know, it just, it, it always it seemed to pile up and then he just ran out of excuses why this guy is not legit and a, a big time player. So I, I think just the appreciation of, you know, what he was doing and being able to appreciate it in the moment and which, you know, I don't know that we always did that with Cam Newton or some of these other uh, big time quarterbacks that had these immensely talented uh, seasons at quarterback. I think we had a chance to appreciate it a little more, Joe Burrow. Yeah, and um, he'll be number one. Your seven-round uh, mock is out, and uh, Joe Burrow number one, right, still? <laughs> that is correct. That is not going to change. Uh, nothing is going to get that to change. I mean, look, the Bengals, they do things their own way, but I just I cannot even fathom the idea of them 
going up to the podium and announcing a different name other than Joe Burrow. It will not happen. It will be Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it is, it is over. So, but your, your mock is out there. Let's go forward to where you have for the Bengals at 33. Without a doubt, the most interesting pick for them because they're a team with a ton of needs. They just spent a ton of money on defense and free agency. So the question is, what direction to go when they'll have you know, 18 hours to contemplate what they want to do, field offers. What do you have for them at 33? Uh, you know, I have them uh, staying put at 33 and taking kind of an inventory of the offensive line and what is available. And Josh Jones from Houston uh, is still there. And you know, we're going to see a lot of tackles come off the board in that first round, uh, five, six, maybe seven. Uh, but if one were to fall a little bit, I think Josh Jones could be that guy. Um, he's a player that's had five different offensive line coaches over his time at Houston. I think his development was stunted a little bit, but we saw as a senior – why he is a future NFL starter, and I think he'd be tremendous value there for the Bengals at the early portion of the second round. Who else do you think is going to be in that universe there as people assess day two? I mean, that could be, you know, some of your best bargains per se at, at 33 or just anywhere at the top of that second round. You know, I think the receivers get really interesting because, you know, we're going to see several go high. Um, you know, five, maybe six go in the first round. You know, we have you know, C.D. Lamb and Judy and Ruggs. Those guys are going top 20. But then you have Mims, uh, who has worked himself into the first round, and Justin Jefferson um, and Brandon Ayuk. Could one of those three, uh, that, that next tier, could they? Could one of them be available at 33? I think that would be uh, awfully appealing uh, to the Bengals, even though, you know, it's a position where you feel good about your depth uh, in the third round, fourth round. You can find receivers at any point in this draft. But if one of those talented guys were to be there at 33, that would be tough to pass on. Uh, then I also think, you know, at linebacker, I, I don't think Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen are going to fall that far. But Zach Bond, and, and look, Zach Bond's a little bit of a polarizing player because he's he was a rusher uh, in in college at Wisconsin in their 3-4, but he's going to be more of that off-ball guy in the NFL, that stack linebacker who uh, you still want him blitzing on occasion, but he, more often than not, he'll be playing off the line of scrimmage, dropping in space and being an athlete, which I think he can do. I think he can make that full conversion and be a big-time player. Um, it's just will he be available at 33 or not, and do the Bengals like him enough uh, with that projection to take him at that point? What do you, when you, when you look into the, the later rounds and you talk about, okay, taking advantage of this receiver class, if, if, if the, the Bengals don't go there at 33, you're talking about 65, you're talking about the fourth round, you know, you hear the, the depth of this receiver class, we hear so much about how many good players there are. I mean, how deep into this draft do you think we'll be seeing starting, potentially starting level receivers coming off the board still? Yeah, I, I think into the fourth round is possible because uh, we're going to see, uh, you know, some first round talents go in the second round, second round talents go in the third round, and so on and so on and so on. So we're going to see third round talents in normal years go in the fourth round just because the volume of receiver talent is so immense. And there's only just, there's only so many spots for these receivers to go. Who's going to be available in the third and the fourth? Uh, but in, it really, it doesn't stop there. I mean, even into the day three, 
uh, in the seventh round, you're going to have fifth or sixth round talents be available, and there are going to be teams that come away with uh, tremendous value. There might be some teams that don't even need a receiver, but the value will be too too appealing at that point in the draft. That's just it. You, know, you look at some years, and, and what have we seen, right? We've seen so many of these second-round receivers outperform first-round receivers. And the idea of getting a second-round receiver potentially at 65, to me, has always felt like maybe one of the snuggest fits in this entire draft for the Bengals. So let's talk about the specifics of maybe 65 and the receiver position and maybe some of the pluses and minus for a team that already has a premier slot receiver logged in, maybe is looking for someone who could develop into a one down the line, but mostly needs a field stretching explosive playmaker somewhere. What do you think about the receiver position that would be there in that universe? Uh, yeah, and with the first pick and the third, you're looking for maybe some second round talents that uh, made it that far, you know, could, uh, a T. Higgins from Clemson fall that far? Could a Chase Claypool from Notre Dame uh, fall that far? And that'd be an interesting fit with Claypool because, you know, he looks like a tight end. 6'4", 240 pounds. But he is a receiver, and uh, he has a 4'4 speed. Uh, the, the size uh, immediately stands out where he can go down the field and win jump balls, and he doesn't always use his size to his advantage. He needs to be a more polished route runner. But the just the raw tools that he offers, this is a guy that's a basketball player most of his life, uh, you know, made the late transition to football. Notre Dame took notice, and uh, you know he's a big time special teams player uh, for the Irish. And so I think Chase Claypool, in normal years, he's going second round, could be there with that first pick uh, in the third round. Uh, and then another player who I really like, who is kind of going under the radar right now, is Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Uh, kind of the, you're out of sight, out of mind type of deal because he tweaked his knee so he couldn't be at the Senior Bowl. Uh, and then he had a foot injury while training for the combine, and so he was sidelined for the combine. So we don't have any testing on him, but you watch his tape, and you know you just you fall in love with what he can do with the ball in his hands. Um, you know he can play inside, outside. He gives you a little bit of versatility. Um, Brian Edwards is going to be a player who is drafted well, well after he should, and I think he'll end up outplaying uh, wherever he is. End up drafted. You can get all of that. The, the real in-depth nuggets, uh, in the draft guide, which, uh, you get for free as a subscriber to The Athletic, um, and can read all Dane's coverage. But it's really about the, it's really about the depth. It's about the sleepers. So give me one or two maybe off the top of your head of your, your favorite sleepers from this draft. Or maybe more specifically, I guess you would call it guys that you feel like you are way higher on than you see anywhere else. Yeah, and that, there's always a few guys that um, I, I think are being overlooked. Um, and but honestly, you know, I might I'm gonna start with a, a guy that I know the Bengals have shown plenty of interest in, uh, and that's Azur Kamara from Kansas, who uh, they were at his pro day. I know they had a 30 visit set up with him. They had a FaceTime video with him. They, they've shown a lot of interest in him. Uh, he's a, 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 he was born in West Africa, immigrated to the U.S. when he was 10 years old, a soccer player who really knew nothing about football. So just a late, uh, late bloomer to the sport. Uh, Juco kid goes to Kansas. They used him as kind of an edge rusher in their 3-4. Um, but just, you know, really just, he was an athlete and, you know, he at the combine ran in the four fives at 6'3", 245 pounds. Uh, you know, when you get to the sixth, seventh round, 
you take chances on athletes. And so he's got just this fascinating potential if a team is able to unlock that ability, whether you want to, you know, at 6'3", 245, you know, you, you can put his hand on the ground, you can let him play off, you can let him do different things. Um, I think Kamara is a player that isn't being talked about very much, who I think is going to be uh, one of those late-round sleepers that I, a team like the Bengals are going to have their eye on. Absolutely. Dane, fantastic stuff again. As always, always love catching up with you uh, this time of year. And for, just to remind everybody, uh, you get the draft guide if you are a subscriber to The Athletic. Uh, obviously, you're listening to us. You know that's a good idea. So, uh, <laughs> Dane, thanks so much for not just your time, but for your hard work in giving all of us that are reporting on the draft everything we need to turn to immediately when our team takes somebody in the fifth round uh, so we know exactly <laughs> what to write about them. So, thanks again for all your hard work and uh, everything you do, and make sure you everybody check it out on The Athletic. Thanks, Dane. I appreciate that, Paul. Anytime. All right, much thanks again to uh, Dane Brugler uh, for joining. Great insight as always. Um, speaking of Dane, we're going to kind of play off of his mock draft and do our tandem mock draft. I'm going to try to get. I'm going to get wild and crazy. Well, within reason, not that crazy. Joe Burrow at one, but uh, I'm going to basically be. I'm going to be the quantity over quality. Attitude. Jay is going to be the stand pat, take your picks and go home. Boring. Mundane. <laughs> efficient. Uh, efficient, <laughs> yes. I'll be wheeling and dealing a little bit more to try to see how many picks I can add and what I can come up with. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, we both take Joe Burrow at one, so you're set with that. Now, number 33 overall is on the clock. I have a trade in place with the Los Angeles Chargers moving back to 37 and gathering up one number 112 uh, in the process. So moving back to a fourth rounder. Well, I, as I move back, they come up to take uh, whoever they want to take here. But so, but you on the clock. All the linebackers are gone. Um. What, of the, the the ones that you're looking at, who are you going with in this world that you're looking at right now? Yeah, this is this is a weird situation because we're using Dane's mock to see what the other teams would have picked, and and he does have Queen Murray and Bond all gone. Um, so I, I'm going to go a little bit off the board here, and I'm going off the board for a guy that I don't think is going to be there. I think he's going to be gone in the first round too, but he's available in this mock and it's AJ Epineza, the edge rusher from Iowa. It's not a position that is an immediate need, but as we talked about in in the draft series, you always need edge rushers. And I, I, I think that guy's a first round pick. And if he's sitting there at 33, which in this case he is, and there's not one of those top linebackers available and really any kind of wide receiver pick at this point would be a push because Dane's got a lot of the wide receivers coming off the board in the first round too. So I, that's the way I'm going. I'm going to take the edge rusher from Iowa, AJ Epineza. Okay. That's an interesting, it's an interesting thought there. And I think it would be one that surprises Bengals fans a little bit. Um, but we've talked about edge rusher. One, they don't quite have the depth there. Two, Carlos Dunlap getting older. Carl, Carl Lawson, contract, contract year, injury history. They've got Sam Hubbard. Like, 
if you're looking one year out, um, a guy who could be a part of your rotation immediately, beef up your defensive line, and be a starter for you and potentially a big time player the next year. Yeah, edge, edge does make sense when you talk it through that way, particularly if that's where you find the value. Um, without the linebackers there, I think the trade back is the move. I, I think that's what happens. So I move back to 37 and there are, I'm really the number of receivers still available. Um, you know, I could move all the way back into the 40s and know I'm still coming away with one of these receivers that I will really like. T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Brandon Ayuk, all those guys, all three of those guys are, are sitting there available to me right now. I mean, the, Jalen Rieger, I don't think they would go after KJ Hamler. I think he's too, probably too small for what they're looking for. Um, but I mean, all of those guys available up into about 50. So I could probably, I might trade back a second time. So I'm firing off again. I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm going back. A, I'm going back a second time. I've added 112, but now all of a sudden the Jags want to come up. So I'm dealing with them. And I'm adding, I'm adding a four from them because I'm moving all the way back to 42. So I got a Jags four. They come up and I'm taking at 42. I'm, I am selecting and I'm taking LaVisca Chenault. So I get Chenault still. I've added two fours. Two picks. I've added the four of the Chargers, and I've added the four of the Jags. Now, is it a five? Is it a four? I've added early on in day three. I mean, there's a lot of similar, you know, similar universal players. You know, depending on how what that deal looks like, you can break it down. But those are not that outlandish. The draft chart, you know, has them in that area-ish. Maybe the Bengals won that trade by a touch, but still fourth round for those drops is about right. So I've now added two fours. So I have in the fourth round, I have 107, I have 112, and I have 116, and I still got Chenault. Now, you've got to get a team willing to do that deal, but again, this is in, you're basically in that area where that, this is, that's the value of those moves. I, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, I would I'm too. Feeling, that's if that's if that's that's just it. if you are going to say, you know what, I'm going to go receiver. You, I've came all the way back to 42. It, it's a matter the, with these receivers. It's a matter of personal preference. Some teams are are going to hate Chenault's um, injury history, or they're going to be worried about you know his raw ability as a receiver you know what i mean maybe he's too raw whatever it is he's a freak athlete who can go vertical he can do tons of stuff with the ball in his hands the type of stuff the Bengals need fits him nice duke tobin went to colorado <laughs> you know so um so i'm i, I you know if that's what fits them or maybe it's Jalen rieger the t higgins these guys are all still there pick your poison you can get one of those guys at a couple of fours where this team has had success in past drafts 
and try to hit on there, I, I like that. So I now have 112 and 116 in the fourth, and we move on to the top of the third round. So let's move on to the top of the third round. Boring Jay is here. <laughs> yes. Who sat and took his edge rusher. Um, and you are on the clock. And this is going to throw people for a loop because, well, not necessarily, but we've been talking about offense, offense, offense. I'm going to go defense again. They, we talked about this. They they got to get the linebacker. Um, this guy was at the senior bowl. Um, questions about size, but he's still there. Akeem Davis-Geither, the linebacker from Appalachian State, uh, maybe a little too small, but they, they as you said, they pigeonholed themselves. They, they cannot afford – to, to sit back and wait. Um, so that, that this is where they strike. They're, they're going to get the linebacker at the top of the third round and then move on from there. And, and hopefully I can find a decent wide receiver in the fourth or fifth round. You probably can. I mean, you, yes, you probably so can. Many. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're looking, that's your, that's where your value, that's where your value certainly lives here. Um, you know, there's, I, I am picking, I, I'm actually with you, and that's who Dane has them taking at 65 is, mm-hmm. is, uh, Davis Gaither. I, I, am gonna say, um, I'd also be looking at Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech, who's in that mix, and is available. Willie Gay is available again. I just, I think there's too much character stuff they wouldn't wanna, they care too much about that to bring that part into the locker room. I don't see that happening, even though he's available. Um, so, I'm gonna. They again. I just think it has to be a linebacker. So I'm between Davis Gaither and Jordan Brooks. I'll take Davis Gaither just to prove that I added those picked. I got Chenault and the same guy that you got there at 65, and I've just got tons more ammunition to play with in the fourth round. I'm already doing better. <laughs> now, granted, you didn't ask to be the the, the conservative, right? You just, just are right now. Two schools of thought. Yeah. And, and Troy Dye is still available too in Dane's uh, mock. I, I don't see that happening. I, you know, when I wrote the linebacker piece, I I ran forty simulations, and uh, Troy Dye went in the second round. By the end of the second round, in thirty-one of them. So hmm. you, I mean, take that for what it is. But but Dane's obviously not as high on him as as some of the other people. Um, and he's he's got Troy going off the board in the fourth round, but I, I do think Davis Geither would be a, a solid pick there at the top of the third. Okay, so you are up now in the top of the fourth. You know, I I would like to maybe try to trade down as day three comes. People are blowing my phone up, and but there's there's plenty of quality players available. I've got three of the top ten picks. In this round, and I've got all kinds of stuff pinpointed. Maybe I would move back a little bit. I don't know, but I'm I'm just kind of sitting here and, and thinking about all that I want to do right now. Um, so you go you go ahead and go first, though. Come off the board with the top. I feel like I need my full allotment of five minutes. This is tough. Um, there there's some quality linebackers. Die is still there. Uh, Marcus Bailey, who we talked about, is still there. Would would the Bengals really go back to back linebackers? And go three out of four defensive picks, um, after spending all that money on defense in, in the, in the free agency. Um, it, it, that seems like a little bit of a stretch. Uh, I, I'm going to go wide receiver. They need one. Um, there, there's a decent one there. 
Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan, uh, that, that'll be my pick to, to lead off the fourth round. All right. Uh, I like that. Um, I'm going to go – you know what? If you are an interior offensive lineman from Ohio State, you come <laughs> to Cincinnati. It's just it's just the truth. It's just fact. So I'm going to have them going with Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, guard. Then I'm up on 112, and I'm going with Troy Dye at linebacker. And then I'm up at 116, and I'm going – there's a lot of fun options. This is it's such a when you do this, you really open yourself up to some luxury fun. And I'm gonna go luxury fun and I'm gonna go Antonio Gibson oh. who they had in the senior bowl, running backs who played a ton of wide receiver, great receiving running back slash receiver, real hybrid type from Memphis. Joe Mixon Insurance. Mixon insurance p- added playmaker. Chenault and Gibson. I mean, <laughs> you're you could do so many things offensively with all these with those pieces. Okay, there's just, there's just a, these are they're very they're kind they're similar types in that one is a running back but is great receiver. The other one a receiver who does a ton of great stuff as almost a running back. You know, have some fun playing with these run after the catch guys. Uh, you can bring in some weapons there. So. You add those, you add those picks and, and it sets you up a, a little bit better. That's what that looks like. You know, I mean, you take the hit when you didn't have the linebacker, but it, you have to find people to, that are willing to deal with you at the top of the second to help you add. But that's the type of depth. That's the type of fun luxury yeah. picks you can make by making those deals at the top of the second. And I think that, you know, this exercise maybe proves that, you know, if you were really looking for some, Joe Mixon, uh, insurance. Zach Moss was one pick away at the last pick of the third, third round from Utah, who PFF has as the number one running back in this draft. I mean, if you were really getting aggressive, uh, but just keep that in mind. Okay. So now we move back to the fifth round and I've done stuff while you were, while you were, you know, doing some accounting homework on your math at home, <laughs> you know, maybe you were, you were doing a puzzle. I'm wheeling and dealing. I've shipped off Billy Price. I have shipped off uh, Andy Dalton to Andy Dalton to the Jags for a fifth, and I'm eating like six mil. Okay. So I got the Jags. I got the Jags fifth round pick, and I have the Cowboys fifth round pick. So now I have three picks in the fifth round. All of a sudden, you have an 11 pick draft. All of a sudden, I am... I am doing stuff, okay? Uh, so I have Jacksonville at 157. And then I have Dallas, who didn't get the center that they wanted in this draft. On day three, they're trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do, and they try to stop gap it by trading a fifth for a Billy Price. 164 I have. Okay, so I have added. I now, in the fifth round, have 147, 157, 164. I'm a day three wizard, and the scribes hate it. <laughs> the scribes, the scribes are working from home. They're throwing family pictures. They're kicking the dogs. Got too much to write about. Uh, so, but boring Jay, you're up at 147. 
Yeah, and it's going to be another boring pick for most people. Um, we talked about needing to upgrade the offensive line, and it's it's probably not the, the Bengals coaches probably see it a little differently than than most. They are they think they've got some things there. It's it's unproven, but you you need depth, and whether Fred Johnson works out, whether Michael Jordan develops, Isaiah Prince possibly. Um, there's a guy from a small school, Charlotte, Cameron Clark. He's a tack, tackle guard tweener, uh, just the kind of guy that you need to, to, to give you that depth there. Um, a solid mid round pick. Again, it's kind of a boring pick, but I, I can't see him going through the entire draft without addressing the offensive line. It's not a pressing need. I, I don't think it's something they're going to, you know, go get a, a tackle in the, in the second round. But if you can get a, a guy that can play multiple positions here in the fifth round, um, I, I think that's what they're going to do. So at pick pick 147, leading off the fifth round, I'm going to take Cameron Clark. Uh, okay, I'm up at 147. And what you addressed early, I'm now hitting up now. And I'm taking Kenny Willicks, the edge out of Michigan State. A dude who plays like a crazy person, good character though, work ethic type. Uh, it was a walk on who made the most of his time, Michigan State. So I'm taking him. I'm hitting the edge right there at 147. And then I've now, guess what? I'm back up because I'm dominating. And at 157, you know, I'm going to fill the back end of the tight end room. Colby Parkinson at a tight end U, uh, from Stanford. So I'm knocking him out at 157 and 164. I'm just, I'm just living this luxury. Like, what, what do I even want to do at this point? <laughs> Are you going to so many guys? different? I mean, <laughs> that's right. I got, that's why Dalton's gone. Uh, so, all right. Now I'm just trying to figure out what I want to do here back at 164. I'm probably, maybe I'm going to take another late shot. Maybe I'm going to look into, you know what? I could have, I could have. I could have gone and hooked up Joe Burrow with Thad Moss, um, but I didn't do that. Uh, I will take another guard. I'll take uh, – I know I should probably know how to pronounce every single name in this whole draft, but Natain Muti from Fresno State, you know, had some durability issues, but he's got skill set. He's sitting here right now for me at 164 according to this. So I'm taking him. At 164 with the pick that I got from the Cowboys for Billy Price. So interior linemen filling up now. So I've now filled up a couple of interior linemen with Jonah Jackson, Moody, and I've got a, I've got a, my running back. I got a receiver. I've been offense heavy, 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 heavy. Got my two linebackers and the rest edge. offense. Oh yeah. And the edge. Yeah. I keep forgetting about that guy. I got so many picks, I can't keep up. <laughs> I need a break. You're going to win this. My, my, my Wi-Fi is firing. My Wi-Fi is firing too hot now. I'm worried it's going to shut down. All right, top of the sixth round. What do you yeah. got? What do you got? Um, this is where they double up at linebacker. Um, I'm, I'm going to take – and Joe Goodberry talked about this guy on the, the video he did for our draft series, um, today's piece on linebackers, Evan Weaver from California. Um, it, it's, it, it's a crapshoot at this point. 
but they need bodies in that room and he's probably the, the best one available at this point. Um, Kamal Martin from Minnesota is still out there, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Evan Weaver and, uh, double up at linebacker and hope he pans out. All right. Uh, I'll just, I'll take some, I'll take some shots here. Um, and I'll just, I'll go to defensive tackle. I'll take Broderick Washington from Texas Tech. Just a, I'm going into the defensive tackle room. Does I feel like I need to add a piece in there? Uh, so just picking somebody off the board there and taking a chance. Seventh round, top of the seventh. I'm, I'm tired. So I'm done. <laughs> so I'm done. I'm, I'm done doing, doing any, uh, any trading. Number seven, seventh round, last pick. What do you got? You know, I, I think this is hard because I do think they will, they might take a cornerback at some spot, but really if you take a cornerback in the seventh round, it's, you've already got a bunch of those guys on the roster right now. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go off. I'm going to surprise people again and, and triple up at linebacker. The, the, the need is that great at that position. Um, not just need, but depth and take a, another Utah State player coming from the lineage of Nick Vigil and take David Woodward, um, with pick 215, the first pick of the, the seventh round. And that'll give me three linebackers in this draft. I don't know if they've ever done that before. Yeah. Well, there's a year to do it when you don't have yes. any on the roster except for, uh, Brady Sheldon and a few others. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm going, uh, I'm going with a guy, another senior bowl pick, Calvin Throckmorton, uh, guard, yeah. sort of a Swiss Army knife type from Oregon, who I had mocked them in my mock draft. He's still available, so seventh round, Calvin Throckmorton. I'm knocking him out. So I took three guys that could play guard. Throckmorton, uh, you know, you've got, I, just, I really loaded up on the interior offensive line for the future. Um, didn't, I don't know if I have the guard tackle type, which I regret now. If I could go back, I would probably be looking more for my guard tackle type when I picked Jackson, Jonah Jackson. I would go back and maybe revisit that again, but we're doing this on the fly. I'll trade you, you Cameron Clark that, for one of your receivers. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm willing to trade, as you know, as, as, you, as you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, that is, you know, the difference really, I, I, I really think, and we, I mentioned this as we were doing it, but that really shows the difference in what you can feel like you accomplished just by moving back some spots at the top of the second round and why that looks like when you consider that world of receivers, why that looks like such a tantalizing thing and makes so much sense for the Bengals who need who would like to add picks and have had success in the fourth round and the type of players they could get there and still end up getting the second round. I, I think that's kind of a fascinating look at how you can – really make the most of your assets there if they particularly if you you know if queen and murray aren't there particularly if that's the case trading back can really be prosperous potentially yeah what's interesting there as you said it is everybody has their own their style their preference of a wide receiver they they want so even though there are several good ones available there in the second round would 
would the Bengals risk trading back twice if there's if one of those guys is the guy they they really really like? Um, but I, I do I I think that is in play um, trading back in the second round. What'd you end up picking? Forty fourth. After you um, traded back oh, twice, forty two, forty two. So forty two Jacksonville's pick. Yeah, you only move down nine spots and get two extra picks for it. Um, I think they would love to be able to do that. And if they, if that wide receiver that they do have at the top of their list going into day two is still there and they were able to get him, it'd be a home run in the draft already and you would still have all those picks left. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how many people want to come up, if anybody wants to come up. Typically, you see that all day. Teams fall in love with somebody, get nervous they're not going to see them come to them, call the Bengals. And the Bengals probably will be willing to listen. Um, I mentioned earlier at the top of this, uh, the story I wrote last week talking about how the bank, you know, we talk about these late round picks we're just talking about, you know, when, when Duke Tobin, Mike Brown, Zach Taylor, are on the Zoom conference call with all their coaching staff, and it's the fifth round, and they're weighing between a couple. Tell me about the background of A versus B, of safety five versus cornerback ten, whatever it is. These guys need to be able to have that on command. And also, as they're ranking guys in their pre-draft meetings and everything else, how they're doing that right now in such a tough time where all the pro days were pulled off, you know, you you don't have any of the visits, you can't do private workouts. It's kind of a fascinating process how this happens now. Uh, the coaches were so great in opening themselves up to me to kind of let me talk to them a little bit about what that looks like, how they go about it, what they're missing most, and what they are liking about how it's changed the conversation with these guys. Um, anyway, there was a particular five-minute section of my conversation with Robert Livingston. I thought it was great and kind of articulated a lot of that. So I wanted to bring it to you a little bit behind the curtain here. Uh, so here is my conversation with uh, Bengals secondary coach Robert Livingston on how he is doing things uh, as far as scouting players and being prepared for the draft in an age where you can't be around them. I guess the, the biggest thing is this. I mean, how different is the connection and the amount of stuff you can go over with like any one prospect any one kid compared to when you bring them in for a visit or you know in the amount of face time that you would have gotten in, in past years i mean is it s- significantly different do you feel like you're 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 not able to make those same connections just because you don't have that same you know the all day hangout thing on a top 30 or whatever else you would do or yeah. pro day i think um Obviously, the the human connection is is not the same. You know, you, you're staring at somebody through a screen, and um, you know you really have to rely upon the scouts. And, and I know I'm gonna sound like a company man here, but you know they've they've really painted a great picture for us. And yeah. in that regard, I feel very fortunate. Just talking to other people around the league, like I went to the combine, and there was 26 safeties in this group, um, and that's counting. You know, like they had Isaiah Simmons, like he wasn't a safety, but he was in, you know, the group per se. Yeah. Um, so not to say that you made meaningful heart to heart interaction with all of them, but in between the interviews and the formal interview and, and the, they don't call it the train station hour, but whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had checks beside all of them. You know, we talked to all of them. So. That's the first thing is that the scouts did a great job painting a picture of, hey, these guys are great kids. You know, there's really nothing to dig on. These are the guys that, you know, maybe, um, 
there's mixed mixed signals, you know, so maybe we'll get to what our answer is. And then these are the guys that, you know, in our opinion, that there's some baggage. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you major in the guys that you want to be around. Yeah. And so in some sense, um, you are missing out. But maybe I'm just trying to see it through, you know, rose-colored glasses. But um, to spend an hour a day, and that's not to say that all these go an hour. I don't mean to pretend like I'm talking to 26 different people, you know, three times a week at an hour. I mean, that's just not feasible. Um but like to spend 45 good minutes with, you know, two or three guys a day where you're driving the bus and you're watching your stuff and then you can throw on their stuff. And, um, you know, from a X's and O's perspective, you know, it, it's really probably more, um, is at least what I'm convincing myself right now. Yeah. Um, you rely on relationships. You know, I, I feel fortunate to be able to call some people in college and, you know, maybe they didn't work with them directly, but they have a close friend and, um, yeah. you know, it's that whole game of, and, and again, in this process, you know, you, you always got to trust your eyes and, uh, you know, in between, you know, your evaluation and you really have no excuse not to do a thorough job on these guys. Um, you know, this is kind of what we've done. You know, this is, this is our goal is to, to bring in the best players we can do both um, in the draft as well as in college free agency. So, you know, you got you got all day to, to really dig on these guys. And if you're going to have a phone interview with somebody at 11 o'clock, um, you know, maybe you watch one or two extra games and you can pull up those games. And, and if you have any questions, they can get answered. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, when you, you brought up a top 30 visit, like, you know, when you bring somebody in for a top 30 visit and they leave, that box is checked. You know, in your mind, you're frantically going to, okay, who's next? You know, make sure that, you know, if we don't get option A, then I know as much about option B, C, D that I can. And maybe you don't get lower than D. And in this respect, um, I think it's human nature to be, uh, you know, paranoid is the wrong word, but, like, to be so thorough that, um, you know, maybe we don't get, you know, whoever, the top safety, but, like, Whoever number seven is in my eyes, like I've talked to him, but when this whole process is done, probably six times, you know, I know all about him. You know, I feel really good. And, you know, I think it gives you, you know, more resources. Obviously, everybody's pulling on these kids. That's the, uh, that's the hard part. But in that same sense, if if they were taking top 30 visits to 32 different teams. Yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah, and you wanted to have a phone conversation with somebody or a FaceTime conversation, you're doing it when they're in the airport or they're getting on a plane flying from San Francisco to the Jets or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, there, there's nothing that will replace uh, a personal relationship um, face-to-face. But all you can do is, is do the best with what you're given. All right, Jay, we, we've done a lot. We have yeah. done a lot. I'm exhausted. And shout out to the, to the folks still sticking around. Shout out to the folks who are like, you know what? I heard they're going to do run pass or boot at the end. <laughs> I need I that. about that. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to the people who said that, you know, uh, that Robert was talking about uh, something with me about, you know, the obvious here, which is that being good at this 
understanding how to utilize this to your best of your advantage. One, there's a pretty young, it's a, I mean, pretty young, it's a really young staff, a, you know, criticized for being so young staff. So the idea of embracing technology and finding a way to make this work for you really well shouldn't really be a surprise. Um, it's kind of in their wheelhouse a little bit, maybe not for Mike, uh, which I still want to see, you know, the, the IT guy installing uh skype or zoom on mike's computer um but you know for everybody else this makes sense for them well that this is what their off-season program is going to work the the virtual off-season that the nfl is installed now that we know we're going to see who knows when they're going to come back who knows when training camp's going to happen i mean being able to use this to their advantage in whatever way possible is going to be huge um and so this is really this draft process has been training for that and not that you know not that other teams aren't going to be doing the same thing or whatever but you know it, it, taking advantage of it whoever doesn't screw this up is going to be in a better spot once it does become time to get things started on the fly um so but when will things start is the run passer boot for today so we've yes. got our, we, we we've got our run passer boot what do you what is, what is it exactly jay I know what fans are hoping for, but this is the, the, this week's run passer boot. Week one of the NFL season will be, will start on time with fans in the stands or week one will start on time in an empty stadium with no fans or week one, which I believe September 8th is the day of that Thursday night game. Uh, will be delayed. The NFL season will not start on time. What say you? Anybody who says they know the answer to this is a lying POS. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I am. I am not Doctor Fauci. Uh, I, I. I would listen to him on this before anybody else. Um, I, I'm all about listening to the doctors. They can tell me. But the bottom line is, nothing is starting up. Um, until all the governors and mayors and everybody says it's okay to open everything up. I, I just don't, I'm running with delayed. I think they have, we'll have enough time to put together a delayed plan in place and just basically push back into the next, getting the full season in if it's possible with fans is really ideal whenever it happens, you know, and I think that that over, Anything else would be where they would re- resort to. So I'm running with delayed. I will pass on on time. No, I'll, I'll pass on on time. No fans. I think maybe they would do that. I, I don't see it starting on time with fans. I just don't. I'm booting that. I just yeah. there's just too many continue. I just don't. I just don't see it happening. You know. And who knows? May- who knows? But I, that's that's what I'm booting. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna run with on time with no fans. I just think with the way the NFL is just barreling ahead and and not real. I mean, they're they're adjusting in terms of how they do things, but they're not willing to adjust the, the timeline of starting the new league year. They weren't. They're not a, a willing to adjust the date of the draft. I just can't see them delaying it because we've talked about this where maybe there, there's nothing going on. They can, if they can start the season late and they can run into February and March, I don't see that happening because the Super Bowl is such a huge event and 
all those hotel rooms and the convention centers and all that kind of stuff. Who knows if that's available at a date later in February or March. Uh, so if, if they delay the start of the season, there's, I don't think there's any way they can still have a full season. Um, I did read an article that made my blood run cold the other day is it said that there's not going to be any mass gatherings, no theme parks, no conventions, no sporting events, no concerts until there's a vaccine. And typically yeah. it takes 12 to 18 months until there's a vaccine. Yeah. So uh, maybe there's no fans all year long. Um, but that's, uh, that's the one I'm going to run with. They, they start the season on time, no fans, and then they just hope for the best when they can get the fans, uh, back in, back in the stadiums. Um, I will pass on delaying it. Um, they won't want to do it, but that would be their next best, best option. Maybe shrink the season a little bit so they can play the Super Bowl on time and, and same thing. I just, I, no way I can't envision a scenario where the first, the second weekend in September, stadiums are full with NFL fans. I'm booting that one. Yeah, I'm, I hope that we are dead wrong, Jay. I do too. <laughs> I hope we are dead wrong, but again, I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. Just uh, stay inside, stay safe, take care of each other, support the doctors and, and everybody working on the front lines, support your local businesses, help everybody get through this, and hopefully soon, sooner rather than later uh, we're back to some sense of normalcy. Um, hey, thanks everybody for listening to the end of the podcast. I know as we get closer to the draft, man, there's just a lot to stuff in. There's just a lot to talk about, a lot to get to, a lot on the site right now, a lot on the site right now. Uh, so if you're not a subscriber, we've got our 90-day free run going right now. So you can hop on for 90 days of all the content at The Athletic. Check us out. See if you like it. Uh, we think you will. Um, and Or just subscribe right now. Uh, we, we love having you on, and I hope you've been checking out our draft strategy series, mock drafts, tandem mock coming out. You're going to see how I own Jay getting free and wild uh, and, and other things. So, uh, of course, draft weekend, we will have you with all the coverage you could ever imagine from everything the Bengals do that weekend. So, hey, a lot going on. Next week, we've got our, la- our official draft preview. Uh, my guy Brody Miller's coming back, uh, our, our, our athletic beat writer at LSU, who we had on earlier this year, who had an incredible relationship and insight with Joe Burrow. But also want to talk a little bit about some of the other LSU guys that could come to Cincinnati with him and a little bit more on Burrow as he's handled this whole process. Uh, so we'll have him and uh, who knows what else. I just don't know. I can't predict anymore. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening to Hear That Podcast Growling. Talk to you next time.